What's up, Thumpers? Welcome to another episode of Hyper Heroes here on Hyper RPG. Uh, today is a episode dedicated solely to the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Stanley, who passed away on Tuesday, I believe it was. I think it was Monday. Monday. I uh, passed away yeah. at the age of 95. Yeah. Very, lived a very long life. Um, so what we're going to do is we're, we're sort of just going to talk about the legacy of Stan Lee. Hector, you were, you were tweeting like a madman today. We'll talk a little bit about that. I'm not even done. <laughs> no, I, I, there's even... no way you're going to be done no, today. I, I, yeah, I had, I, like, it, it took me, what I did today was a solid two hours because I did it while I was watching the Bourne Identity in, on mm. in the background. So Jason Bourne. Dude, Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> Solid two hours. I don't know why and those I, two things had to go together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they uh, they didn't have to, but they ended up going together. And um, I'm gonna do the. I have the rest of my list that I formulated, and I'm gonna finish yeah. up that Twitter thread, which has been a ton of fun. Wow. Have you got so to the cool. '90s yet? No, man. Ravage 2099 that he co-created. He was a writer on that. He was a writer on that. <laughs> yeah. I uh, no, I'm stopping at like 1972. Like mm. I think that's oh, okay. my last, like okay. my last. Otherwise, you'd be, gold, otherwise you'd be doing it for like 25 years. years. I mean, no, I mean he stopped. Cr- I mean he created characters, but n- characters sure. that were nowhere near. Yeah, the level. The level of of sure, sure, you sure. know the Marvel. As Civil you may Rage. have noticed, Augustine is not here. Uh, Zach is here. Zach, thank you so much for yeah. joining us. It's yeah. been a while since you've been Hi. here. Hi, yeah. it has been a I think, long time. Uh, yeah. I think honestly, I think it was in December. <laughs> I just, last don't, year? I just don't think my opinions are worth a shit. So. <laughs> well, thankfully, tonight's episode is all about emotions. Yeah. yeah. Well, those are even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You've been through a lot of emotions this week. You've changed positions at the company. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I don't think... You should probably tell people. I don't think anybody on YouTube knows that oh. this has happened. Oh, that's right. We probably should put that up on YouTube. You probably I'm not should. the CEO anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife told you to get out. <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness... Um, I stepped aside as CEO to take the uh, position of chief creative uh, yeah. officer, congrats, and Malika, man. my wife, is taking over as CEO. So yeah, which is great. And congrats, really Malika. Great. Yeah, congrats, yeah. Malika. So it's a very Tony Stark Pepper Potts move. It is. You know? yeah, it sure. is more sure. than twelve percent, though. <laughs> Way more. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't think. I mean. We haven't really talked about anything yet, but I, I, it's not really going to affect anything that we're doing. It's going to be business as usual. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll probably end up having some sort of discussions about like things that we can improve and things that we want to do or whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, congratulations! I think it'll be a oh, lot yeah. of fun. You, you're very creative. Yeah, and uh, I'm I not, think, and I'm not very good at numbers. <laughs> so I think <laughs> this I think, makes sense. I think that position will be uh, very well suited for you. Which is kind of like when we met. That's kind of what you. That's were That's what I used to be doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and honestly, uh, I think. Whenever you know we decided to start Hyper RPG, um, that's why I was asked to build a company as yeah. the job I used to do. And then the second we started Hyper, within six months, I was like, I'm not doing any of those things anymore. <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited to get back into the pit and uh, cool man, you know, help make a make cool shows. We're excited yeah, to have yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So this episode, obviously, what's up? Zach has something there. Yeah, what? Do you okay. want to show this off? Sh- show off what this is. This was the very first. Wow. Comic book uh, I ever read. Really? Yep. How did you read this? Well, this. Okay, let me be clear. This issue. Back yeah. Up. Was the first one I ever read. Yeah. Um, In a reprint somewhere, like. It was a no. Okay, so here here's the story. There's some of the people in the chat know this story because this was given to me from a chat room member. Wow. Because, because it, I had told yes. them the story about the first appearance, Green Goblin. Yeah. Um. Very first comic I ever read, found it at my grandma's house, and 
I cut it up to make pogs when I was like really young, uh, because I didn't know comic <laughs> books were valuable. I'd never wow. like known any of those things. What so was I that cut from up like 1966 or oh, something. You know, I cut up a whole bunch of comics and made really fun. Pogs were the shit. They were <laughs> cool. Uh, you know, and I met this kid uh, by my aunt's house in Kansas City that had really cool pogs, and I was like, I can make cool pogs too. I'll just cut up all these old comic books that my grandma gave me, and uh, and then when I turned 14. Uh, around that time, the grocery store we shopped at uh, out in the middle of nowhere, start, like, I asked the person working there at the magazine rack if they could start ordering comic books. And instead of ordering comics, they brought a wizard because yeah. they thought that was the same thing. Yeah. But actually, it was like the coolest thing for me because yeah, like, now I know about there's a world there's an industry. of comics. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it was the first time I ever saw the back of a wizard. Oh. And I remember like yelling at my mom, like, what did you do? What did you, why did you let me do that? And then she's like, well, those are worth money. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, sweet Lord. Um, and I told that story on stream a couple years ago. And then a chat wow. remember got me this for my birthday. So that's like comics code graded or whatever. Mm-hmm. 7.5. 7.5. It's pretty good. Amazing Spider-Man 20. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, it's. What year was that from? 1964, 5? Exact year is. Um, uh, 65. 1965, wow. dude. Yeah, July of 65. My dad wow. was four years old. My father was four. <laughs> that's now, crazy. Now, now he's like 55 or something. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. Damn. That's wow. crazy. Yeah, man. I wonder how, how much effort it took to track that thing down today. Well, I mean, the internet means no effort. You find it and it's that's like, true. It, what it, co- what it costs like, is a lot of money. But you can't like, I'm sure it's not a store that you could just drive to drive to get like right order it or like you gotta have, you eBay know. it pay yeah. for that sucker. oh I don't even want, man I should yeah. have asked Dinesh to come out with you guys actually. yeah does he have some uh, some stories some and some stuff and stuff Dinesh's collection of Spider-Man oh I bet books. you that's disgusting is it every, every time issue I talk of to him, I'm like, Amazing I don't, Spider-Man ever stop it does he have an amazing I 15? probably shouldn't share the story because I don't know if this is something I should be sharing but because uh, <laughs> he shares it you're gonna do it I'm anyway. gonna do it I'm gonna do it um, so Dinesh uh, for those that don't know used to run Valiant Comics mm-hmm. and I think he just got back from South Africa from cool. the Bloodshot mm-hmm. uh, set which I can say because it was on his Twitter yeah um, I can I can reveal <laughs> that uh, but um, he told me a story about how like the week before his wedding he spent his like wedding money on a Spider-Man book but uh, this is why I probably shouldn't say it because it was before Spider-Man was announced that it was the Russo brothers were friends with him and told him, uh, "Hey, this trailer's going to drop and, and Spider-Man's, Spider-Man's going to be in it. It's a big secret and all yeah. this kind of stuff." So he immediately was like, "I have to do this. I have to do this." And apparently, he went online and he bought uh, he bought a bunch of Spider-Man originals uh-huh. and um, I think it was Amazing Fantasy uh-huh. actually and bought an Amazing Fantasy and. <sighs> You know, and told his wife, like, you got to let me do this, got to let me do this. Spent their wedding money, bought it. But then within the week, it was like, you know, quadrupled in price. Really? So, yeah. Wow. Apparently, Damn. with these collectors, like, the movie releases, like, jump sure. up the value so much. Sure. Wow. But, Makes sense. But he's a huge Spider-Man fan. And um, I don't want to speak anymore for stories that he's told me because I might reveal things. Sure. <laughs> so I'm going to stop. <laughs> stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. It's pretty great. Oh, you. Oh, you. I'm going to stop. Um, so talking, so this episode we're going to be talking about mostly just about Stan Lee. With that, it may end up being a little bit of a shorter episode. That's totally sure. fine. Uh, there's nothing really else that's happening in the world of superhero news. So nothing and, and bigger. This, nothing bigger than this. This is the most appropriate thing to talk about. We did ask people online to send us um, stories about Stan Lee or the characters and how they've sort of touched your life or changed your life. So we have a couple of those that we're going to share throughout the show. So thank you to everybody who submitted for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
But I think the first thing, first thing first, let's watch this tribute video. Now, this is not the tribute video that Marvel Entertainment put out. Mm -hmm. um, this was created by the Garo Studios. And I chose this over the Marvel one mostly because the Marvel one was very corporate. And it mostly just focused on a lot of talking heads, talking about Stan Lee. Well, this one I thought was cool because it, it's Stan Lee talking about what the Marvel characters mean to him and sort of like why they were created and, and all that sort of stuff okay. and, and, and how they've lasted. So we'll watch this first and then we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to get all emotional and stuff. Oh, I should probably turn the keyboard on them. Oh, you got to turn the keyboard on. I was supposed to tell you that. Hey, that was my fault. Thanks for telling me that, man. <laughs> all good. Here we go. Which character is, um, would you say, is closest to your own character and personality? I know the answer to that. It's Peter Parker. Peter I don't Parker. know. Um, I'd like to think that I'm an amalgam of all of those characters. All of their best features are probably based on me. Spider-Man? I gave all our characters a lot of thought balloons. I've always wanted to experience real hip-slinging, and I've always wanted to be appreciated as a real hero. <laughs> it seems you've made me into one. Thanks. Someone it's It gave such another dimension to our characters, because if you know what somebody is thinking, you really know the person. Well, Stan, we all have to grow up sometime, I suppose. Even us characters of fiction. You know, I guess one person can make the difference. I think maybe I'm proudest of the fact that I meet so many people who say to me, Gee, Stan, I've been reading your things since I was very young. Christmas night, the It's a great cameo. Maybe what I'm doing isn't really unimportant. Maybe entertainment is one of the most important things because there are so many bad things in the world that if you can entertain somebody for a while, it's a good thing. So I think. I'm proudest of the fact that maybe some of the things I've done have entertained people. Did you see my cameo? <laughs> Made the movie. <laughs> Love seeing you two together again. You always were my favorite. <laughs> I've got the usual for you. Good to have you back, sir. That's a great Are game. you Tony Stank? Enough said. That is hilarious. Superheroes in New York, Kimmy. Star for the last couple of days. Yeah. Accumulated a bunch of love from the fans. 
Where is his star on the on the walk? I'm not thing, sure exactly know? where where in Los Angeles it is. <sighs> I should make a little pilgrimage out there. You I should, should yeah. man. <laughs> I feel like I feel like of all people, you would. I think I think the next time I go to New York, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to some little Marvel locations, yeah. and that's usually my pilgrimage. It's, it's yeah. gotta be New York. You did that once. I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did 2014. You, did you? Because I know that. Well, he obviously lived in New York, but are the mm-hmm. places where he lived are they still standing? Uh, I mean, I imagine they are. They're apartment buildings. I know. Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, if they had maybe been like completely moved or. No, I know. Or... I also know that I, w- I visited. Oh, one the, was a house, the, right? I think so. I didn't visit the. I mean, I didn't look up like where Stan Lee lived mm-hmm. necessarily. I was looking up like where's the Baxter Building and yeah. where's the Sanctum Sanctorum and yeah, all yeah, the yeah. you know all those different and Hell's Kitchen. Uh, and then I visited like the offices of Marvel Comics. I think the older offices. Mm-hmm. They may have moved, but just like the outside <clears> of the building, <throat> took a picture of that. That was a really good weekend in 2014. That was yeah. the weekend that Amazing Spider-Man 2, the movie, came out. Mm. And I saw it in New York for the first time. And then when I got out of the theater, I was in Times Square. And I was like, that's where he fought Electro. Like, it was a <laughs> great weekend for me uh, as a lifelong Marvel fan. And uh, that was good. That was a really good video. It was weird when they showed him closing his fist and then they cut to Iron Fist. Because yeah. I'm like, I think also not a character he had anything to do. I'm like, I, th- I don't think he was, he created that character. Mm. But, but um, yeah. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> so yeah. talk about because you guys are you guys are the big Marvel fans, sure. Yeah. in this house. Oh yeah, I'm on their payroll. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, secretly, we that, all are. Gotta get that Disney check. Um, I, I this whole company is funded. That's right. Yeah. I know we never talk about it. <laughs> every comic book show I've launched, I've had to cancel because that's no one right. watches it. Yeah. But you know, it's you completely know. funded by. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like my experience with Stanley is a little bit different. Mine is sort of an indirect one because mm-hmm. I grew up reading mostly DC stuff. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear from you guys sort of what's your history with the Marvel comics, your favorite characters. <sighs> and, and with Stan. And, and yeah, and like how that sort of so, influenced your life. The, the funny thing is, is that he was always um, uh, the face of Marvel since Zach and I were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is, is that he was the face of a comic book company, not the face of the huge entertainment company that it is today. And when I was a kid, I remember... I went going to the local library in San Diego and I rented a book about the history of Marvel Comics. And then I think a few years after that, they did one on DC Comics as well, written by the same uh, author, Les Daniels, who put these together. It was Marvel, five fabulous decades of the world's greatest comics. The DC one was uh, like 60 years of the world's greatest superheroes or something. Those, that was a difference. World's greatest comics, world's greatest superheroes, which is an interesting distinction. But this book was this big hardcover book, cracked it open, and it started at the Golden Age. And it showed me like when Stan Lee was like a teenager, he got this job at like his co- his sort of cousin or uncle's like, you know, he was the publisher sort of a mm-hmm. thing. And then went to war and then came back and then just kept working at this company. So I knew who Stan Lee was and Jack Kirby was and Steve Ditko and all these people and men and women who worked at Marvel Comics. So that when I was a kid and the Spider-Man animated show was on TV and you showed that clip, that was mm-hmm. the series finale. I yeah. think it was like in 1995 or something, mm-hmm. um, I think. and it bl- And I remember going like, holy shit, that's Stan Lee. Like, And it blew my metaphysical mind because Peter Parker, Spider-Man, goes into a dimension that's our dimension, meets Stan Lee where Stan Lee created him, and he has this whole realization, and then he takes him web-slinging, and then at the end he goes off because he's going to go look for Mary Jane because she was trapped in it. It was such dimen- a great send-off. It, it, was yeah. a gr- it was like the perfect way to end that show. It would have been cool if they actually finished that storyline because, like I said, Mary Jane was just in another dimension. Yeah. But the point is, is that Stan Lee showed up, he did his voice, and I knew who he was, and I freaked out. And it it was really emotional and cool to see the story go that way, where you have this character pop into our world. Because Marvel Comics had always been about making it, – it, it has always been our world. Mm-hmm. There are a, a few key differences, right? Just Captain America was active during World War II. 
So there was a couple superheroes back then, and then that's it. And then it's supposed to be New York, and it's supposed to be the United States and our modern world. So to have that happen, it really like opened it up for me, and and I remember feeling like, oh, it could it could be real. They could be in another dimension. Um, and uh, yeah, and the first time I visited New York, walking around, it was like the most surreal. It was like such a cool thing. So Stan had been, and then since then, and even before, like when I became more familiar with Marvel Comics as a company. Then I got to see some older clips of interviews that Stan Lee did in the 70s and, you know, in the 80s and, you know, selling his stuff and being a real salesman. And as we kept going, he started popping in in those movie cameos. The first one was the first major one I remember was in X-Men in the first one. He was the hot dog vendor in the yeah. back in the background blurry. Mm-hmm. And I still was like, holy shit, that's Stan Lee. And it kept going from there. And and now, you know, 20 years later, here they're, we the, are. they're <laughs> the biggest thing in the world. And 20 years later, here we are. And and um, he had always been. When Zach and I, since Zach and I have been alive, he's always been that old man. You know, I don't know a thirty-year-old Stanley. Oh, no. I don't know doesn't a, make sense. a twenty-year-old Stanley. Yeah. That doesn't make it doesn't make sense. So I, I didn't even realize. I didn't understand that the person I was reading the stories of, mm-hmm. I, where I grew up, there weren't people enjoying the same things I was enjoying. Sure. So it felt like a very small world to me. Sure. And I didn't realize that the person that had stories I was obsessing over was as big in that culture as they were was until Mallrats. Yes. And it was that scene in Mallrats where they're freaking out mm-hmm. about Stanley mm-hmm. that then I realized, oh shit. People care. This is for real. Like, th- yeah. oh, I've got all these books here. Like, th- that's the guy. That's the thing. Uh-huh. And that's when it clicked for me um, that this was like a person that was a, a cultural icon. I had no idea. Yeah. At least uh, part of some culture. Yeah, we just yeah. Did, we just didn't know how big it was gonna be, you know. No nobody, idea. I don't think anybody had any idea that 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 aspect of pop culture would ever be this big. Mm-hmm. That that, every, that everybody on earth knows who Stanley oh, is. Oh yeah, now you know who could imagine? Who can imagine? Yeah, it's, and it's insane. Yeah, and then just just speaking on, um, there's been a lot of talk about the guy in his career in the past couple of days, the good and the bad. You know, I I know a lot of people who have um, they've heard stories or they've been involved with things where it's like I had not a great t- experience meeting Stanley. Mm-hmm. He was a dick. He was this. He was that. Um, there were allegations that uh, came forward towards the end of his career, at the end of his life, where like women said that he was harassing them and doing you know treating women improperly um, for some kind of hospice care or whatever. Um, and then there's also the the um, the professional relationship that he had with artists like. Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko yep. and a lot of these different artists. And mm-hmm. there's always been a conversation. So like, the, so that's one thing. So I, I've been saying to people, you know, um, I'm taking the good with the bad. I don't discount that stuff. If people have had bad experiences, if they like, no, 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 I know somebody who worked for him or his company and he was a dick and blah, blah, blah. Like, or no, he acted improperly. Or uh, I've also heard, you know, to the side that like he was very flirty. He was a flirty old man. He really enjoyed the company of whenever ladies would come up and take pictures and that kind of stuff. And that's not invalid. That's totally valid. If people are like, fuck Stanley. I'm like, to- I totally get it. But for me, I'd always said that his work is what changed my life. And it's very easy in this instance. It's the same as Star Trek. I love Star Trek to the bottom of my heart, to my core. Star Trek was created by a guy named Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry had affairs and cheated on his wife constantly, apparently. And yet he still created this utopian, you know, and I'm like, this guy was a dick. He still did this thing. Oh, that- don't, don't ever look into art history. <sighs> Basically, so for but in this all case, all your icons are assholes. Everybody, <laughs> all men are trash. Everybody's trash. But but in this instance, I'm trying to say that it's very easy for me to separate art from the artist because Stan Lee was in the was there at the beginning 
and then for the rest of his career tried to sell these characters to movies, TV. You know, he moved out to Hollywood to do just that. But he was there in the beginning, and what he and his collaborators, and it's really important also to mention his collaborators, what they created changed people's lives, changed the world, was so impactful, and so many other artists and writers continued to work on these characters since then that mm. it's not a thing of like, I can't enjoy Spider-Man because this one art writer worked on it. It's like thousands of people have worked together to make Spider-Man what Spider-Man is today. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's easy for me to disconnect. Like, I can't watch certain movies. I can't watch Chinatown because I'm like, this is Roman Polanski's movie and I, and, I and, I, and I can't separate that. I'm like, I can't enjoy it. And I think it's a well-made movie and I go, nope, I, don't, I can't support this. I can't enjoy it. All of those different reasons. But what I'm saying is the Marvel Universe really is this universe where so many people have contributed to it. You know, again, it's like whatever your feelings are on Walt Disney, uh, I would recommend doing research on his life, but then also trying to, you know, get as many perspectives from people who have interacted with him as possible. Um, no matter what, like Mickey Mouse isn't his, it's the world's. Do you know what I'm saying? So many people have contributed to Mickey Mouse and Mickey Mouse is so pure. Mickey Mouse is, it, there's is, things that they become bigger than bigger the person. than the oh, bigger yeah, than the sure. person. And basically everything Stanley touched became bigger than, and, and to me, that's the, why like Peter Parker. Is yes. The, it's, it's to me, one of the best everyman heroes in the history of superheroes and fiction and fiction. Yeah. In so many ways. And that character is going to be an eternal character. It yeah. is going to be a Hercules. It's going to be like, I, I yes. honestly believe that Peter Parker and Spider-Man like Batman, like Superman are going to stand the test of time and mm -hmm. become these icons that get passed through the ages and adapted and changed and stories give, you know, mm -hmm. breathe off them and, and things like that. And we'll just continue on. That's and happened on. in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. There will never be a moment where there's not a Spider-Man story being told. Like, they're never going to retire the character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because of how strong that and core is. And look at how freaking dumb. It's a dude in a costume. I know. It's a spider. <laughs> I know. It's great. <laughs> but yeah. there's something at the heart of it yes. that relates to almost everyone. Yeah. And, and what I think that heart is, is if you go back and you read those stories, it is Stan. It's Steve Ditko. It's, it's John Romita. Senior, it's mm -hmm. these it's these people who, even though these are all fictional characters, when Stanley's writing, you know, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. That's coming from a real human place. And he, I mean, and, I, and I, I pulled up one. Of, I mean, I know a lot of these have been shared around. Yeah, there's one I look at often. Yeah, one of his soapboxes um, that had a very large influence on how we formed Hyper RPG. Yeah, and uh, those soapboxes uh, had a bigger impact on me than I realized mm -hmm. as I mm -hmm. age. I mean, all of Spider-Man. Yes, did. but but I know all exactly what you're talking about. I, but I, uh, this one, I you may, there's so many that are so yeah, good. Yeah. This one in particular really helped form Hyper RPG as a company and my stance on entertainment. Um, from time to time, we receive letters from readers who wonder why there's so much moralizing in our magazines. <laughs> they take great pains to point out that comics are supposed to be escapist reading and nothing more. But somehow, I can't see it that way. It seems to me that a story without a message, however subliminal, uh, is like a man without a soul. Yeah. In fact, even the most escapist literature of all, old-time fairy tales and heroic legends, contain moral and philosophical points of view. At every college campus where I may speak, there's as much discussion of war and peace, civil rights, and the so-called youth rebellion as there are in our Marvel mags, uh, as there is of our Marvel mags per se. None of us lives in a vacuum. None of us is untouched by the everyday events about us. Uh, events which shape our stories just as they shape our lives. Sure, our tales can be called escapist, but just because something's for fun doesn't mean we have to blanket our brains while we read it. Excelsior, Stanley. That's it's perfect. One of my favorite 
ones of a soapbox is I think about that a lot as entertainers and providing escapism for people, but making sure that there's still mm-hmm. a core, yes. Yes. a philosophy at its heart yeah. that, that matters. It's yeah. a responsibility that mm-hmm. creative people and storytellers mm-hmm. have. With great Absolutely. power. Absolutely. And and I love that, especially, I love that, that, that the day that Stanley passed, so many people were sharing that and so many similar messages. Mm-hmm. It must have pissed off comics gators to no end, to, con- to, to continually see from the 60s, pe- you know, guys like Stan going, we get a lot of letters from uh, people who don't want politics in their comics. Yeah. And it's just like, there you go. There you have it. That's yeah. the proof. Comic books is, is a uniquely American art form. American citizens invented it. And then it became global. And comic books are one of the most reactionary and political art forms ever Quick. created. Ever created. Yeah. You can pump them out quick. Kelly mm-hmm. Sudeconic said it great. Like, we will always be at the forefront of these things because we are the fastest to your hands yeah. in most other aspects of traditional media. Yes. I mean, when you think about film, when you think about books. Takes long. Takes th- long. Th- th- it's going to take longer to react. Mm-hmm. Something can happen in the media, and it can be the hotbed of a social issue, and mm-hmm. it can be in the comics within a month. Within a month, yeah. And you'll have it in your hands. The yeah. only thing that's You'll quicker is it. like an improv show, but there's yeah. no. But that's not <laughs> traditional media. That's yeah. like, that's, yeah. There's no budget behind that. There's no, yeah. you know, so I love that. And and those soapboxes specifically, you know, Stan Lee, Stan Lee was social media before social media. He was, was the guy blog. <laughs> who, yes, who was who was making you feel as though you were part of a of a cool club, as opposed to this is a comic book. You have paid. You are the you are the customer, and here is your product. You know, Stanley tried to make it feel like you're part of the Mary Marvel Marching Society. You're part of the you know. Mm-hmm. If you if you pick out a thing that's inconsistent, let us know, and we'll send you a no prize. And it's it was this fun club, <clears throat> and um, and I think that that uh, was one of his strengths as a person was making people feel good. Uh, when you met him or when you interacted with him or read his work. And um, I also think that uh, that's one of the reasons, not the only reason, when when people talk about the bad of Stan Lee and his working relationships with his writer or his artists and stuff like that, there's real valid criticisms there. There's real stuff that people should have a problem with. And you should know the sort of whole, like to, to give credit to everyone involved kind of a thing. Um, but there is a lot of, um, uh, of, of, things that we need to thank Stan Lee for for the whole comic book industry as a whole because he was the face in many ways and he was somebody who was trying to make it mainstream Mm. and when he stopped being the writer and the editor of of Marvel magazines and he moved to Los Angeles and he was working on things like making the Incredible Hulk TV show like without that would there be Marvel today I don't know you know what I mean like without I mean without Stan there wouldn't be comics the amount of cartoons he pushed out the cartoons he pushed out Malika just said like we have we can thank Stan Lee for Power Rangers because he's one of the people that, it, yeah. that that like that thought it a was a, about a good idea <laughs> yeah. uh, when Saban was pitching it, and everyone was like, "You're crazy!" And Stanley was like, "That's a good idea." The same way that we can thank Lucille Ball for Star Trek because she like saved it. She kind of saved it for the third season. Um, so, th- so that sort of like bigger picture. Uh, t- to me, the two sides of Stanley are that bigger picture, P.T. Barnum, salesman, Carnival Barker, come one, come all, look at these comics. And that's almost just as important, if not more important, than his actual like writing and editing when, he, when you see his work. And then the other side of his work is, is that he had, look, undisputed king of comic books is Jack Kirby. Mm. That guy was a creative powerhouse. Boom, boom, boom. But I have read Jack Kirby after Stan Lee when he's working as the writer artist himself, when he's doing Mr. Miracle for DC Comics and the New Gods, and that stuff is it's insane. It's super so crazy. There is something missing. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, they were they were a team. They were a team. It's, and it's and sad. 
And the, the Marvel method being that where Stan Lee would plot a book or come up with an idea for the plot <clears throat> and people like Stan and Steve or, or Jack and Steve Ditko and John Romita and all these amazing artists would go and draw it out. And then he would come in and put the captions in the words. Those I thought that was fascinating. It's so, but the, exactly, and the, the, and and I think comic books are still made like that to this day. Some comic books, most of them are still scripted, and then you know. Yeah. But like those panels and those words, those captions and those words, when they're not there, there's something missing. So it's that sort of perfect combination. Like, and again, Jack Kirby, undisputed, most creative person who's ever worked in comic books ever. But there was something to the polish of a Jack Kirby comic book with Stan Lee words. Mm. You know, he was able to just get it to flow. And Did you know. get a chance to see the Jack Kirby Museum? No. Where? In L.A.? It was it's, here in L.A., uh, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Is it still open? Side. It might be. I, wanted, I, I can't need to remember. Go. I went like I need to two go. years ago. Where they've got his artwork for like the fake movie that he was going to do in, in from the movie Argo. Dude, like it the had fake... stuff from New Gods that was yeah. like five feet tall by <sighs> five feet wide. Yeah. Unfucking real. Seeing so black cool. and white Thor in space, yeah. like it's the best. I, I oh, I get emotional thinking about it. That's just I'm like, oh god, how the fuck, man. Yeah, Dude, and you come years and it's ahead like, of his time. You combine that Jack Kirby Silver Surfer with Stan Lee's words coming out of the Silver yeah. Surfer's mouth. It's like th there's no better Silver Surfer, you yeah. know. So, um, yeah, there's there's just a lot to look at in his life, and there is so much good in that life and in his work. And um, I think a lot of people were sad and people were saying this too. Like they were sad on Monday because it, it is the end of an era. It sounds dumb, but like I said, Zach and I, he's always been an old man since we've been alive. Mm -hmm. And now... I mean, he was older when he created yes, a lot of these characters. 39 years old in yeah. 1962. Yeah. You know what I mean? When he created Spider-Man, he was 39 and he was going to go write a book. He was on his way out. But like now, if I have a kid someday, and I'll probably have a kid, uh, they will be born after Stan Lee was alive. We got to live when Stan Lee yeah. was, and yeah. that's you know that's a that's a special thing. And, and I know I I'm probably just a weird, cynical asshole when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I know Adam asked me the other day, he's like, "How are you doing?" I was like, "What?" He's like, "Stan Lee." I was like, "I, I didn't know." Oh, that was Matt. Oh yeah, I was like, "I don't, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know you him." You didn't know him, sure. My relationship with Stan Lee is no different today mm -hmm. than it was ten years ago, yeah. and it will be ten years from now because my relationship with Stan Lee is this. And that's still here. And it's not going away. And it's not going away. It's anywhere. not going away. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of art and mm -hmm. why I love art. Like, I don't know Stanley personally, so it's not going to affect me personally. Mm -hmm. But his work that changed me, mm -hmm. I will be able to pass on yeah. to friends, yes. to loved ones, to all those things. And uh, that won't change. So, you know, I'm very happy that someone got to live that long of a life yeah. with that many fucking accomplishments. Yeah. It's insane. I myself will not act like I was affected other than because it's just sure. what, my not, relationship with family. Him, yeah. My relationship doesn't change and I will continue loving his creations for yeah. the rest of my life. I think it would be different if it was, if you were affected in a way where it was like, okay, and all of Stanley's work is being put into an yeah. archive no. somewhere. I would murder like, someone. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we would have problems. Yeah. Because I mean, you, you're always going to have access yeah. to it. And it's kind of the same thing for me because... I didn't grow up heavily on Marvel sure. comics. Like I read more DC stuff. Sure. The only stuff I sort of tapped into was a little bit of Spider-Man, X-Men, Captain America. Mm -hmm. And then I watched the X-Men animated series, Spider-Man animated series, mm -hmm. X-Men Evolution, and then the movies started coming. Yeah. So the movies were really my entry into the Marvel Universe. And it was sort of like becoming friends with you and mm -hmm. Augie and talking about how much he contributed to comics in terms of writing, creation, 
um, him and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all that sort of stuff and all the artists who have taken over and to see that the foundation of a lot of these characters have remained intact for yeah. over 50 years. It's nuts, dude. You know I mean? And it, it go, the same thing goes for a lot of other superheroes. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing that really impressed me that, one, a lot of that stuff has remained. Two, he mm -hmm. was older. Mm -hmm. You know, you look yeah. at Siegel and Schuster, Bob Kane. Those were guys kids. were young. They were young. They were young. Yeah. And they created these characters. So it's just, it's interesting to see that someone being that much older still had that much drive and creativity because mm -hmm. he was working at that company mm -hmm. for years and yeah. like it changed names before what yeah. marvel comics absolutely. and all that sort of stuff like absolutely before the before the modern marvel universe before we think as the marvel universe he created groot but yeah. not the way we think of groot today but groot fin fang foom and then the marvel universe like he yeah. was you know and a bunch of other like cowboy characters and monsters and stuff and um, talking about that era in the 60s, like, here's the crazy thing. It's unfair because Stanley and everybody, they had a 20-year advantage. But even some of the Golden Age characters like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, so much of what they initially were in, like, Action Comics issue number one is still around today. But a lot of those characters today have been added to. Yes. A lot of those characters, how we think of them today, for example, Batman not using a gun and not killing. That is something that was added to the character it, through the evolution of the character. And I think that the DC characters changed more than, in a lot of ways, than the initial Silver Age, early Marvel characters from the early 60s. Because if you go and read those, there will be entire relationships, character arcs, sort of personalities that, like, they're being played by actors today in the MCU. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They'll update how they look, what they say, but they're, they're sort of, as opposed to, like, you go and read a Golden Age Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman comic book, and you're like, okay, the foundation is there. But it's not kind of like a one-to-one -one transfer. Yeah, yeah. And with Stan Lee, and I think specifically because he and all of his collaborators, what they added to the industry was like they did add a little bit of maturity. They did add, you know, friction and personality with these characters and Mr. Fantastic arguing with the thing and the things that like Superman, Batman, and the Justice League were not doing in the 50s. The things that Barry Allen and Hal Jordan, they were not there yet in the 50s, right? If Hal Jordan then later inspired Han Solo, Han Solo's personality absolutely then further inspired Hal Jordan. Now, today, what we think of Hal Jordan is kind of different than the Silver Age. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, But the, you go and read some old Spider-Man comics, and that Peter Parker in 1962, what, the way he speaks, the way, you know how he is, it's like, that's Tom Holland. They just they just updated like the year and sure. the you know there's there's so much of that early '60s stuff that that is what they brought to it and going off of the soapbox that you read Zach, people say those comics aren't political. There's so much politics that they injected in there, not just with things like and then he invented Black Panther with Jack Kirby, but even with if you read old Iron Man comics, which when Stan died on Monday and this is still true, I'm literally in the middle of reading the first run of Iron Man that was collected in an epic collection that Marvel puts together in these beautiful paperbacks. Like, I'm in the old tales of suspense right now, and they have racist depictions of Chinese people because they were fighting Red China. So mm -hmm. there's a whole Silver Age Cold War there, which is awful. However, when Tony Stark is talking to somebody as, like, a CEO of his, you know, multi-million, billion-dollar industry war machine profiteer, some guy freaks out because Tony Stark's like, I can't make that meeting. He's like, oh, okay, I get it. Big wig. Can't make the meeting. He goes, Tom, you're being unfair. And then Happy Hogan's like, hey, don't talk about Mr. Stark like that, and then punches him out. And he grabs Happy, and he goes, you do that again, you're gone. He says, Tony Stark's like, anybody at this company can talk to me however they want. 
And if I can't handle it, then I'll like I'll handle it. But don't you ever use your fist like that. I'm open to criticism from anybody. Mm. And that that to me, when I read that, I was like, this is a radical fucking idea that these guys were putting into their stories about a a billionaire corporate, you know, head of a company. This is what Stanley and 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 I think it was. Uh, well, Steve Ditko may have drawn that particular issue, but it was other guys like Don Heck and a bunch of other artists that were working on Iron Man. This is what they thought that corporate America should be. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Even even the commentary on corporate America was still present. And I feel like, not to knock DC because they were doing a different thing and it was a different era, but I'm like, I don't think I would read that over in in Green Lantern with Ferris Air. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. It's like, it's no, like a different thing. They had very different missions. They, they and had and very it was very missions. radical. Yes. I think that's what people forget. What Marvel was doing at the time was considered radical. They were counterculture. Yes, it was counterculture. Yeah. It was nobody's going to want this. It was mm-hmm. considered to be extremely risky. The Hulk was um, a monster. The thing was a monster. Everybody was a why freak. Why are you making relatable heroes? The X-Men. Yeah. Why Ugh. are they – you don't want – You know, I remember <clears throat> it's people saying like heroes shouldn't be – like the normal people, they should be heroes. It should be things yeah. that we aspire to. Sure. Yeah, and and to me, that's why I think Peter Parker is so quintessential. It's like you, it's more relatable to aspire to want to move past your faults mm-hmm. and to to know that you make mistakes mm-hmm. and want to overcome them. Yeah, and I think that's what is more relatable to aspire towards to be a hero mm-hmm. because everyone will. Yeah, everyone will feel doubt. Everyone will feel guilt. Everyone will feel as if it's their fault something bad happens. And how do you overcome that? And how do you Mm -hmm. rise to that challenge? That's what helped me uh, growing up. And I mean, I know you and I talk about this all the freaking time with, Mm -hmm. you know, J. Michael Straczynski Mm -hmm. and John Romita Jr. Like their their run. And that hit me in high school. Yeah. And the lessons it taught me and everything that I brought to the table. It's like that was my education. Yeah. And that's the foundation the Stanley Bell, and yeah, yeah, I go back and I read all the Stanley stuff for for shits and giggles. <laughs> I, it's not necessarily my cup of tea, writing no. style wise, but you can it's, recognize how it yeah. it set the foundation that everyone follows. Mm-hmm. Literally, everyone. It's follows. history. I can't give people new comic book readers Stanley. I can't give them you know Silver Age. I can't give them Carmine. No, you got to want to like it. You, yeah, you already have to be sold on the character, and you want to have to learn about. Oh, what what was that? What were they like in the '60s? Okay, then read this. But know that it is a different era, and you can't. You know, whereas I would give people the J. Michael Straczynski Spider-Man oh, yeah. run as like entry-level Spider-Man to read. But um, yeah, and again, everything you just described, Zach, everything you described with how those characters are, you can nowadays apply them to DC as well because oh, yeah, both yeah. of them influenced each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Back after, years, after Marvel totally. did that, DC in the 80s was like, okay, let's rethink our character. And they went and deconstructed their shit and, you know, and now they're like, and they, they just kept adding to it. And, and again, somehow the billionaire guy in a bat suit became their <laughs> relatable hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because because I mean, because you're saying everything that that you that it's easier for some people to root for somebody who has kind of like made a mistake and been knocked down, like a mm-hmm. Peter Parker, versus how some people would view Superman, who's just like good, right? Who's just good, yeah. who like might not struggle. But nowadays, we know Superman's story is like, well, he lost his father, Jonathan Kent. Jonathan has a heart attack. He can, you know, Batman as well. You know, why? Do oh, we that fall? story evolved for me to be why do like, we, yeah. oh, you care for Superman because what is it like to be America? Yes, yeah. to be a Godlike power in the world, and what do you do with that power? Yeah. 
when yep. you're untouchable. Well, I yeah, think like no. the big thing for me, the big changing point for me for a character like Superman, and I already love Superman, mm-hmm. was Smallville, mm-hmm. and that's the most like Peter Parker type yeah. of very human show. approach. Yeah, yeah. Very, you're a very right. human approach, and I thought like, okay, if I need to sell people on Superman, Smallville, go watch Smallville. Yeah, you know, like, and it, it goes and it kind of goes off the deep end in the later seasons, but the first, I would say, the first four seasons are so yeah. critical to the growth of that character and yeah. for audiences to understand he's like me. And yeah, and I and I and I agree. I think Marvel and DC have influenced each other ever since, you know, Marvel was really on the rise and became what it was and mm-hmm. it took a few years for DC to get there, but they sure. figured it out and then, yeah, now I feel like now they're at a place where their characters have become more relatable, mm-hmm. but I don't know I don't know if it would have happened if we didn't have characters like the X-Men Absolutely and Fantastic not. Four and all Absolutely that sort of not. stuff. You know, and again, look, and, and... Not that they have to be the same. Right, and those characters, the Marvel comics would not have happened without Superman, Batman, totally. Wonder Woman, and the Justice League oh, really yeah, coming you... back in the Silver Age, yeah. in the 50s, yeah. which led yeah. to the Stan's Fantastic boss. Four, we yeah. all know the story of, like, we need a team. So, so they've always needed each other, and competition just breeds quality. You know what I mean? If there were only yeah. one big company and a bunch of indie companies, right. those comics would suck. Like, whether it was Marvel or DC. And if they were the only name in, in town, their comics would suck. We would be like, eh, they're just, they're stale. They're whatever. But mm-hmm. but they do sort of challenge each other. And then fucking Bendis going to DC and he him, him being a Marvel guy for 20 years. That, that, that kind of thing is good. It is good for that to keep happening because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, Marvel Comics, can you survive without Brian Michael Bendis? You better figure it out. And that's yeah. just going to lead to good stuff. Mm-hmm. And eventually, and it'll just, I mean, my, my biggest swinging. concern now yeah, as it will never get another Stanley, right? Because I don't think Marvel is any longer in the position to want to make another Stanley. No, yeah, I feel sure. Marvel at and, this point from their well. decisions have decided they're going to be an IP company. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be all right. Well, we got this IP now; it's making us all of our money. Let's lean into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think there's a lot of room to grow. I feel like the last couple of years there's been some really great stuff. Um, that ten years from now. People you know, will, yeah, yeah. You know, your Miss Marvels and things like things that. Things like but Vision. People will go. Yeah, this was fucking crazy. Right. This was great. Yeah. Uh, but every step they've taken since then, it just feels more and more like they're they're just leaning into being an IP company, mm-hmm. and that really worries me. And the future of comics is really worrisome to me right now because it feels like yeah, we're in this weird stage where a couple years ago people thought there was hope, and mm-hmm. I think for indie comics it's better than it's ever been. But for mm-hmm. the big ones, mm-hmm. I really worry. I really do. Would you guys yeah. not consider Kevin Feige to sort of be that, but just for for a new for the, generation? For the, for the new generation. For the, in a lot of ways, yes. In a lot of ways, absolutely. Because he's also a salesman, and he also yeah. knows what to say, and he knows how to talk about the characters. You know. I mean, he's created. Yeah. What will go down in history, just like Stanley, is one of the biggest movements. Yes. Ever. Who would have ever? Yeah. Everyone thought he was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Robert Downey, you're nuts. Yeah. <laughs> we can't hire this guy. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting because he's effectively doing what Marvel was doing in the 60s, right? Phase one is just like 1961 to 1963. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then phase two is like, okay, we got the Avengers now. We're yeah. going to create Doctor Strange and all this other shit. And, and, it, it, people thought he was crazy, and I'm sure that in the 60s, when all these guys were pumping out these comics every single week, weekend and week out, that people were like, you're crazy, but they were just doing like classical, you know, morality tales. Um, they were, I'm sure there were Stan Lee and everybody, they were just drawing from their influences and putting it into their stories of the day, and then that's what uh, Feige and everybody at Marvel Studios is doing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think he is, but it's different because, like Zach said, there'll never be another Stan Lee because, because now with with the way everybody consumes media, yeah. it's not this kind of one 
track, you know, like where you need one guy to to kind of be, to be in the same way. There'll never be a Walt Disney, even if yeah. even if there is a CEO at Disney or a chief creative officer or somebody who is just as creative and as interesting as Walt Disney, there's not going to be a Sunday evening, eight o'clock world of Disney show that everybody watches on ABC mm. where that person will tell you what's happening because the internet exists. You know what I mean? Walt Disney came up in, before the internet and so did Stan Lee. So they, with what they had, they became that kind of focal point and everything's so spread out that that, that cannot ap- happen. Yeah. You know? So it's, uh, it's weird. It's weird. It's it's like we're gonna be telling our kids about Stan Lee the way that our parents are like, we only had six channels or what you know when they're like <laughs> television stopped at 10 p.m. that yeah. kind of craziness of like what yeah. that was one guy what do you mean yeah so yeah and I think it's he lived 95 years yeah. like and it's funny because I saw it's some in, it's, co- it's insane yeah I saw a couple people in chat mention they're like man even though you kind of know that this day was coming soon because he was 95 yeah. because he had already lived so long. I, yeah. I kind of felt like he was going to just live forever. I was like, he, I, <laughs> it, I, like that feeling kind of no, like exists. I, I really did think I'm like, Oh, he's going to make it to a hundred easy. Yeah. I'm like, he'll be one Oh one and he'll, he'll still be at a movie premiere, you yeah. know, like he, he might not have a cameo or anything, but he'll be 102 years old. And yeah. it's like, and it's like, guys, so yeah, we, we lost Stanley in the middle of phase through phase four of yeah. the MCU. Like, um, Yeah. Uh, can I just mention all the characters that he had a hand in creating? Do it. Oh, Do it. oh boy. Go for it. I'm going to go year by year because there's a lot. <laughs> but, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll go in order. Are you going to get to the mid-2000s? No, 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 no. I'm st- I told you I'm stopping stop at like okay. 72 or whatever. Because there was a whole line of stuff there towards the I'm end. I'm sure there I was. was. Like, Yo. It was weird, man. Oh. There, was, there was stuff that not Marvel but other companies would snag Stanley yep. and they're like, help us do a direct-to-video animated movie. And he'd be like, uh, okay, uh, uh, the Condor. Like some bullshit that, you know. But uh, in 1960, Bob yeah. Oh no, it was Stripperella. Yeah, Stripperella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stripperella. Stripperella. That which was, was which <laughs> was a uh, uh, not a Nickelodeon production, but like they like a like they used the same a similar production company yeah. or something. Stripperella. Oh, Stripperella with Pamela Anderson. That was nuts. <laughs> so November 1960, Tales to Astonish number 13, Groot. Very different than we know of Groot today, yep. but that's still Groot. Uh, 1961, October, Fin Fang Foom. First appearance of that guy in Strange Tales, number 89. Uh, November of 1961, this is it, the big show, Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And uh, and along with that, you know, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, The Human Torch, The Thing, but also Mole Man was in that first issue. Then after that, uh, just a few months later, 1962, Hank Pym. Yeah. In Astonishing, Tales to Astonish number 27. Then uh, The Scrolls in 1962. Then The Hulk. And with The Hulk, Betty Ross, Thunderbolt Ross, Rick Jones. Then uh, in July of that year, Doctor Doom in Fantastic Four number 5. Right? July of 1962. My boy. A month later, Spider Man. Uh, Aunt May, Uncle Ben, Eugene Flash Thompson in Amazing Fantasy number 15. That same month, Thor. Marvel Thor in Journey into Mystery number 83, with all, which also featured the Stone Men from Saturn, which would later be revealed as Cronin's, a.k.a. Mm, Korg, Korg. Right? Who, he didn't invent Korg, but he invented, mm. he cre- helped create yeah. the, the alien race that somebody years later went back, and they're like, oh, Korg was there. Um, September of 1962, Hank Pym puts on the Ant-Man suit. Same month, we get Jane Foster. A month later, Loki and Heimdall show up in Journey into Mystery number 85. This is October of 1962. November, Odin finally shows up. 
same month, Alicia Masters, the longtime happens to be blind mm-hmm. girlfriend of The Thing and daughter of Puppet Master. Uh, then February of 1963, <laughs> Willie Lumpkin. Then Iron Man in March of 1963 with Tales of Suspense number 39, along with Ho Yinsen. Mm-hmm. was played by uh, Tony Shobe. No, Sean Tobe. Sean Tobe. Sean Tobe in Iron Man. And uh, let me turn off my internet so that this thing can load. Because I got the rest of the characters in this Twitter thread. And then I'm going to go to my email because I, oh I only got to the <laughs> Avengers. I only got to the Avengers. I didn't even get to... Uh, here we go. Yeah, that was... Oh, shit. Okay, it started me over at the top of the <laughs> thing. Hang on. Hold so tight. It's just live internet. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. So we got Iron Man. We got Ho Yinsen. Yeah. Right? Uh, this is still only 1963. Two years after the Fantastic Four debuted. The same month, Spidey gets his own comic. We get J. Jonah Jameson. We get his son, John Jameson, appearing in Amazing Spider-Man number one. Uh, uh, a month later, we have the Watchers, Uatu, first show up in Fantastic Four, 1963. Um, the uh, month after that, we have Nick Fury. No eye patch yet. Uh, the Howling Commandos, Dum Dum Dugan, Gabe Jones. Then, uh, let's see, this is that same month. That same month, we have the Vulture, first appearing with the Tinkerer, as well as the Chameleon. Not as well known of a character, but a great Spidey villain, nonetheless. Uh, and then in the same month, Frigga, over in Thor Comics, Freja. Um, then a month later, the Wasp shows up, Janet Van Dyne. We are still in 1963. Uh, July, that same month as the, no, a month later, is Dr. Octopus. In Amazing Spider-Man. And then uh, in that same month, Doctor Strange. It's weird that Steve Ditko and Stan Lee created Doctor Octopus and Doctor Strange in the same month. <laughs> they were really into the doctor. for doctors. The doctor name. Um, and then, uh, of course, with that first appearance of uh, Doctor Strange, you do get the ancient one. You get Wong as well. And then a month later, you get Baron Mordo as revealed as the villain. And then finally, in September of 1963, the Avengers book. Then, I'm going to list the rest of these characters. 1963, we have the Sandman from Spider-Man, the X-Men, Magneto, Professor X, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Iceman, Angel, Happy Hogan, Liz Allen from Spider-Man, Betty Brant, Pepper Potts from Iron Man, Giant Man, Mm -hmm. so Ant-Man first turns giant in uh, November of 1963 and tells to Astonish number 49, The Vanisher, played by Brad Pitt in Deadpool 2, The Vanisher, (laughs) The Lizard, Mr. Hyde, a.k.a. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, but, you know, Mr. Hyde from, from like, Avengers comics, Thor comics. Um, Surtur, the fire demon, in December of 1963. Here's 1964. The Blob from X-Men, Baron Strucker, Electro, played by Jamie Foxx, the Mandarin, Captain America. Here's an important one. In March of 64, he brings back Captain America with Jack Kirby, who Jack Kirby co-created him with Joe Simon in the 40s, but brings him back in 1964 and says... He's a man out of time. He was unfrozen. And and that is an important distinction that Stanley was able to kind of reinvent the same character. For Human Torch, he made an imple- completely new character from the Golden yeah. Age, Johnny Storm. But for Cap, he's like, we got to bring back Steve. Let's keep telling the story. The Brotherhood of Mutants, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Toad, Mastermind, Hela, Sif from Thor, Daredevil, Foggy Nelson, Karen Page, Black Widow, Scourge the Executioner from Thor, Mysterio, the Green Goblin, Amazing Spider-Man number 14, Baron Zemo, in Avengers number six in July, we're still in 1964. Craven the Hunter, the Owl, Leland Owlsley from Daredevil, Hawkeye, the Archer, Kang the Conqueror, uh, the Purple Man, 
the Purple Man he helped co-create, the Sinister Six with everybody teaming up to fight Spider-Man, Wonder Man from the Avengers, Dormammu, I'm here to bargain, Glenn Talbot, who's a Hulk army villain, Edwin Jarvis, the Edwin Jarvis, Ned Leeds, the guy in the chair, but not the same, but still, Mac Gargan, the leader, mm. the Hulk villain, the Mindless Ones, the Doctor Strange villains, and now we are in 1965. January, Laufey, Loki's father, Absorbing Man, Fenris Wolf, uh, Cassilius, played by... Um, What's his Mads name? Mickelson. Mads Mickelson and Doctor Strange. Kazar, who lives in the Savage Land. Medusa of the Inhumans. The Juggernaut. The Warriors Three. Fandral, Hogan, Volstagg, Hercules. Gorgon of the Inhumans. The Sentinels from the X-Men. Bolivar Trask, who invented the Sentinels. Gwen Stacy. The Inhumans themselves. Black Bolt, Triton, Lockjaw, Karnak, Harry Osborn, Eric Koenig. From, uh, nope, at the end of Harry Osborn, that's 1965. Now we're in 1966. Eric Koenig, who was played by um, Patton Oswalt in the uh, Agents oh, of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Yeah. Um, we are in February of 1966. Then Maximus, the evil inhuman. Galactus. Sharon Carter. Batroc the Leaper. The Silver Surfer. Peggy Carter. Jasper Sitwell. The Collector, played by Benicio Del Toro. Mendel Strom, who was the guy that uh, Willem Dafoe killed in the first Spider-Man movie. Back to formula. Oh, that guy. That's, oh, okay. Uh, Black Panther himself. T'Challa. Gladiator. T'Chaka. Black Panther's father. Ulysses Claw. Bill Foster, who was played by um, Lawrence Fishburne in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ego the Living Planet, Kurt Russell. The Rhino, Mary Jane Watson. And that is the end of 1966. 1967. And again, this is not every character, but these are just like the main... Yeah, there's lots of little There's side lots of little side characters that you know we'll either see again Show or not. It books. doesn't matter. The Shocker, here's 1967. Pretty much March. all of Spider-Man's rogues yes. gallery of like weird one-off little characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Shocker, the Abomination, the Kingpin, the Kree alien race, including Ronan the Accuser, Robbie Robertson, who's J. Jonah Jameson's right-hand man, Modoc, Captain Marvel, but Marvel, the original one, Captain George Stacy, The Wrecker, Whiplash, and we're in 1968 already with Captain George Stacy. Whiplash, let's keep going, 1968. Whitney Frost, Richard and Mary Parker, Dr. Faustus, who's this great Captain America villain. He was in the show um, Agent Carter. Franklin Richards, the son of Reed and Sue Richards. Mephisto and Randy Robertson in December of 1968. 69, we've got Yondu. Yondu, a different mm -hmm. Yondu, but still Yondu. Mm -hmm. A blue, blue yep. alien archer guy. Vanessa Fisk, Wilson's wife. Uh, the Falcon and Red Wing, his bird. And uh, Hobie Brown, the Prowler. That was in 1969, end of November. And then in 71, the Man-Thing. 1972, Night Nurse. And in 1980, the She-Hulk. With Savage She-Hulk number one, February of 1980. And I feel like he might have been the editor-in-chief at that point, or he may have actually writ wrote the story, the first uh, She-Hulk story. I'll have yeah. to go in there and double-check. But Well, and that's, and that's why when you hear Stanley talk about making comics in the 60s, that's why wow. it gets the house to a point. Ideas. Yeah, well, it gets to a point where it's like, yeah, he can't, he can't script all of these that sure. fast. Sure. He's got to give people the blue, the the, mm -hmm. the plots mm -hmm. basically and tell Jack Kirby this is kind of what we want the story to do and then he'll fill in the rest later. Like, that's insane. That's so many so characters. So many characters. Yeah. That's that nuts. ended up becoming larger than life forever. Yeah. yeah. That's absolutely Mo crazy. Most of those characters are like prominently featured in the biggest movie franchise ever. Yeah. Like even even, it was like, even like Jane Foster. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's kind of a lesser character in the comic books, but was played by Natalie fucking Portman. Like, yeah. you know, lesser character in the comic like, books. You want you want <laughs> oh, Bill? And yeah. then and then she oh becomes boy. Thor. <laughs> and then she is Thor. Yeah. Jane Foster Thor. But like, you know, Don't Jane fuck Foster with me right now. before they brought her back <laughs> with the Straczynski run and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um 
uh, yeah, even a character like that. Look at what the rest of the creatives at Marvel did with Jane Foster. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She's fucking Thor now. Like, yeah. what with well, uh, well it's been a while since you read. Yeah, no, no, no. I I, I know she's not anymore. But um, and it was so sad. But uh, Thor's granddaughters are the best. Um, uh, even a character yeah. like um, uh, who was I gonna say? I I just had one on the tip of my brain. Um, but these, but you know, like Jane Foster is actually a really, really great example. Um, a character like, uh, um, shit. I mean, with Groot even, which was this weird throwaway mm-hmm. monster character. What other writers are able to go back and take with those characters, yeah. with the seeds planted, and just like expand on it and do this awesome stuff. So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, let's look at some of the tributes that that. So the Hollywood Reporter that came out. I think uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, mm-hmm. a few companies took out like these full-page ads dedicated to Stan Lee. Uh, the original six Avengers did one. Uh, we acknowledge his creative contribution to thousands of men and women it has long employed, the millions that will, co- that will continue to be entertained, and above all, wow. his inu- yeah. inimitable wit, grace, and humility. Stan, we love you. We miss you. We're grateful to represent a small part of your amazing legacy. That's great. Scarlett Johansson, Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey, Jeremy Renner, and Chris Evans. That's so cool. Uh, there was also one. <laughs> oh, Jeremy Renner's still an Avenger? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll see <laughs> him next it. summer. He made it. Uh, then Walt Disney Company did a nice tribute to Stan Lee. They did a nice uh, piece of artwork for him. Uh, oh, 20th man. Century Fox did one. Rest in peace, Stan Lee, 1922 to, ni- to 2018. Your heroes may have saved the world, but you changed it. Uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment mourns the passing of our incomparable friend Stan Lee. Uh, that's kind of cheesy. But, Even uh, DC Comics did one. <laughs> DC mourns the loss yeah. of our treasured friend and comic visionary His Stan Lee. His last cameo. Yes. Yes. Titans. Teen Titans Go. Teen Titans Go, go to, to the movies. movies. Yeah. It's his last cameo during that, his that we life. Know of. No, uh, dur- he... Well, he's alive. We know for a fact he's going to be in other Marvel movies. Yeah. He filmed a bunch, but like yeah. the last one in Stan's lifetime yeah. was yeah. a DC movie. Yeah. <laughs> that sums true. it all up. Yeah. Our friend Bob Chipman was like, there are punchlines and then there are punchlines. Yeah. Like this guy, <laughs> like what a great what a great way to go out, you know? So um, funny. And then there was one uh, Stan, dear friend, mentor, and colleague for 38 years, uniquely gifted, keenly intelligent, enthusiastic, generous, always a gentleman. You will forever be missed. Maggie. Maggie is Margaret Loesch. She, she was the former Marvel Productions president and CEO who worked with mm. Stanley. Um, so yeah, a bunch of tributes in the Hollywood Reporter. Um, it's cool to see. It's just cool to see all the acknowledgments, especially from other companies. Mm-hmm. If you go on Twitter, obviously if you're on Twitter, everyone has said yeah. something about Stanley in yeah. the last few days. Um, but let's get to some of these fan tributes. So we had some people, we, some of you guys wrote in. Uh, we picked a, I picked a handful of these. So before we sort of like end off on the show, uh, let's go through them. Uh, the first one is from Tori Flacco who says, Hey, Hyper Homies. Hey, Tori. Wanted to share a little story about how Stan Lee and his work has impacted my life. I discovered the MCU during my sophomore year of high school, also around the time I discovered Adam, Augie, and Hector. This was a time in my life where I was struggling to find my place in high school, including finding friends. I was not the happiest 16-year-old, but when I discovered what Stan had created and the intense nature of what it became... I couldn't help but to fall in love with his work completely and follow it through. I found happiness in film. I fell in love with Stan's vision to bring these comic book characters to life from back in the day to 2018. I owe my nerd status to Stan because his stories and characters have created a way for me to feel connected and love with not only the Marvel community, but the nerd community. I have, I have the utmost respect for Stan and his work, and I'm going to miss that man. Thank you guys for the chance to speak. Tori Flacco, hashtag Excelsior. And I think that's the biggest Excelsior. thing. I think that's the biggest thing about the Marvel universe, and that's something that I didn't realize until later on. Is as much as it is cool to aspire to be Superman, 
we are all Peter Parker in yeah. some sense. You know, there because is a little bit, bit of us that is all of these other characters. And we try. Yeah. You know, and again, and Superman does too now. He does, yes. but but he uh, he does not fail the same way Peter Parker has failed. Yeah. Peter Parker accidentally killed his college girlfriend <laughs> that he was planning to propose to. Yeah. And uh, and, 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 and his uncle. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. He inadvertently and, killed his uh, uncle. Yeah. Yes. You know, and yeah. and. And his. It's a very. It's a long list. It's a very long list. It's a very long list. Captain John DeWolf. It's a very. There's a lot <laughs> of people. It's a very. George Stacy. Yeah. There, there's there's yeah. a there's a, it's a long long list of stuff. Yeah. But long then Peter dies and inspires someone else to become Spider-Man. Fuck yeah, man. I don't that's, want to talk about that. Yeah, it's so great. It's <laughs> so great. It's okay. Um, no, that's uh, that's very very true. But we have yeah. we got to give credit to the 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 men and women at Marvel early in the '60s that were like you know creating that to then keep going yeah yeah uh next one says hey thumpers speak one in 23 on twitter i mentioned i already mentioned it on twitter but i have two older brothers and by the time i was born my dad was already collecting comics for them i remember being around 11 or 12 and my dad was always quick to get me spider-man toys and paraphernalia i love spidey and noticed my dad loved that i love spidey and often read the issues alongside with me i asked him one day how come he was so invested in the stories as he wasn't really into anything fantasy elsewhere he said that he was happy that I like Spider-Man as a, as a good man said, uh, sorry. He said that he was happy that I like Spider-Man as a good man said that he likes Spider-Man too. He told me that initially he just got comics from my brothers since he thought they were for kids and that's what parents do. Mm-hmm. Until one day he read the soapbox on the back of an issue that was lying around. X-Men number 56 from 1969, which denounced men of hate. Yeah. From there he read more soapboxes he could find in the actual comics themselves. He was so moved that in a time where he grew up and faced prejudice, my father is black and grew up in England, mm. that someone would not mm. only entertain for the most part our kids, but also use their voice for the oppressed. Spider-Man and Professor Xavier are my favorite character, are his favorite characters. We had that issue framed for my dad who still has it in his garage, and he was extremely sad as we are all at the passing of a man like Stan. Just wanted to say that, Excelsior. Damn. Wow. That's Damn. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, next one comes from Ronan Unchained. Hey, amigos. Uh, I never met Stan, unfortunately, though growing up as a kid, making friends was difficult for me. The minute I started watching a small show called X-Men the Animated Series, I found a group of people I can relate to. People who were outcasts, like how I felt. To this day, I've remained a fan of mutants and the bond they have with each other. None of that could have been possible without the idea from Stan Lee, also the incredible illustrations of Jack Kirby, of course. So to Stan Lee, I say, muchas gracias and bravo. Rest if, in peace, Stan Lee. Love anyone, Miguel. I, I swear to God, anytime anyone says comics shouldn't be political, I'm like, get X Men yeah. is literally yeah. just <laughs> yeah. like on its face. Yeah. That's all it is. Civil rights. Yeah. Here's a comic book. Yeah, well, yeah, and yeah. that was striking for me, like and looking looking back at it now, I'm also a little surprised that they did it. But the first scene in the first X Men movie the is Holocaust. young Eric Lencher in a concentration Holocaust. camp, dude. And yeah. yeah, it's nuts. You're looking back at it now, I'm like Wow, I can't believe in 2000 they did that. Here's a here's a slick to new make action like, sci-fi franchise, The Holocaust. Yeah. Like, that's how that movie started. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> because Magneto wow. is is and here's another crazy thing too. The thing is an openly Jewish character. Yeah. Most of uh the Marvel creators at the time were like Jewish guys living in New York mm-hmm. and they grew up with the Great Depression and it's the 60s and they're making, you know, ends meet. Yeah. Guys like Stan Lee is Stanley Lieber. Yep. And Jack Kirby is Jacob Kurtzberg. Like these are very Jewish men, and their villain for X Men is a Jewish guy. Yeah. Like the like a, a a a terrorist is a Jewish guy, and then they get they imbue him with this backstory that you're like, 
fuck, dude, I understand you. Yeah. I disagree with you, but I understand completely where this guy's coming. He saw the worst of humanity. Why would not he want to wipe humanity off the well, face? That's what it's I like, always loved about fuck. the Marvel books for the most part is yeah. the X-Men were misunderstood. A lot of their villains were misunderstood. Absolutely. And, and, and there'd be times where the villains would join Xavier the Xavier would often be like, yes. give them a chance. Yes. Don't just vilify them. Mm-hmm. And then when you go over to the Spider-Man side, it was like, okay, well, Green Goblin is a crazy yeah. son of a... Yeah, he, yeah. Just but then a lot of the other criminals, like the Sandman and stuff mm-hmm. like that, were just like they're just trying to make trying to get by, trying, trying to, to get make by. Ends meet. And, and that's why the Vulture was so good in Homecoming because he represented yeah. that that like working class villain. We were like, oh, I just watched that again the other day. Yeah, and just like the second he <laughs> oh, like, shows up at his it, house, yeah. I was like, oh, this yeah. scene like wrecked <laughs> okay in the movie, so good, <laughs> wrecked me. And he's got a nice house now, yeah. and he's you know, and you're like, oh, he made it. He's still stealing stuff. He could have retired. Yeah. You know, um, you went Walter White, man. You got to pull back. You got to pull back. Yeah. A lot of Marvel villains are characters who like, um, you know, when they compare compare Batman and the Joker, they both had one bad day, but the Joker decided to be this way. A lot of Marvel villains have so much humanity to them. And it, it is a case of like, you're just making bad decisions. You could you you're exactly the same. How about instead of focusing on Reed Richards, Victor, like you actually try to change the world for the better. How about that? Because he could have. He could have been running yeah. the show, but instead he has to keep getting revenge on yeah. Richards because yeah. of jealousy, um, because of... I I disagree with a very random, uh, very intelligent Drake in the chat saying <laughs> that Stan never beat you over the head with civil rights themes and X-Men. They were just there. Yeah. Half of their villains yeah. were religious zealots. Yeah. And like, there's mm-hmm. entire groups of villains in those X-Men comics that are just basically the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. And... Dress and like that the, the and act like that, and the Sentinels are going to round up mutants that night. Mm-hmm. That night, and and they were like funded by the government. That's what the Sentinels are doing. On the same night, we yeah. learn. On the same night, we learn from the series Marvels. This after the same, like the same day that uh, Reed Richards marries Sue Storm, and there's this big celebrity superhero wedding. That same night, Bolivar Trask goes on television uh, to to debate uh, Professor Xavier, Charles Xavier, and Charles Xavier is talking about how you know mutants are bad, and Bolivar Trask unveils the Sentinels, and then they just launch. In the, like that same night, and there's riots based on hate, fueled by hate. It's so pretty political on you, its face and in yes. your face. I think it, you go back and read them now; they seem quaint. Exactly, but I think that's the thing. To you, in the time in the times when those things were being published, people were upset. They were saying that this is not a place for politics. This is yeah. for kids. These are children's books. Mm-hmm. It's very relative because the things that are political to you now are political because you relate to them. That's true. Uh, and yeah. you're saying, well, this is really political on its face. They're preaching politics <laughs> to the people back then. X-Men was preaching politics. Yeah. Yeah. Even and by I, having people of color on the team. That's true. Which uh, they brought in later. Chris Claremont yeah. and everybody. Uh, Chris Claremont made some This tip in this comment from Jada. Thank you so much for the $10 tip. I'd love to point out to people that Professor X and Magneto were modeled after Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And they're differing ideologies on overcoming oppression. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's there. For it's sure. It's right there. Yeah, it's uh like I said, it's quaint and also these guys were working within the comics code. So there were times where they could not put, you know, they were making comics for children essentially, yeah. but it had these codes of like you also have to show that the authority like police are always presented in a positive light. You can't make any reference to drugs. You can't do cut to when when uh you know, the John Romita and I think Stanley was still writing the Spider-Man comic where Harry Osborn was do, like and with a drug overdose. And it, you read it now and it's super mild. You're like, "Really? This isn't But they, they had to print it without the code. So that's very overtly political. And, oh, and the code was yeah. hard. Yeah. We talked about the code a long time yeah. ago on an episode we of uh, The Pool and went deep into that code, and it, it was intense. Wow. Yeah. It was yeah. intense. That's insane. Uh, the next one comes from Ryan Unicomb. 
little, little lengthy, Ryan. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks I was going to have Hector read this in his uh, Aussie oh, accent, but I think it would yeah, no. take you forever. Thanks. Uh, I remember the day clearly. It's 2013, and a friend of mine from film school is deep into one of his usual rants, mid-class as always. Quote, and Stanley also inspired the Power Rangers. I looked over. What? I said. Being a massive Power Rangers fan since I was a kid, I had to interject. My friend loved to spin a tale, but his stories were always based on some snippet of info, so I knew whatever he was he was saying had some kind of truth to it. He proceeds to explain to me how Stan, Steve, Ditko, and Marvel really struggled to find someone to purchase television rights to their characters, and how Stan recommended looking at international vendors rather than just domestic. Mm. Eventually, Spider-Man became the live-action Supaidaman uh, Tokusatsu TV series in Japan, for the Toei Company, and was so popular that it essentially spawned the creation of the Super Sentai series, which years later would obviously become an integral piece of the puzzle, leading to the rise of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I sat there dumbfounded. The man who had created some of the most, some of my absolute favorite characters in comics, had an even bigger hand in my growing up than I had ever imagined. <laughs> Outside of reading Spidey with my granddad and doing everything I could to get my hands on the rare Superman books that came through my local shop, Power Rangers was my life growing up. I used to write and draw my own Spidey comics while dressed as Billy the Blue Ranger because I figured it would somehow help me write better, quote, science-type dialogue for Peter Parker. It's serendipitous to think that two out of the three major influences on me becoming a filmmaker and a writer were all in some way directly or indirectly influenced by Stan. He didn't make any creative decisions on Supidemen specifically, but his idea to shop it around internationally was is what led to it all happening. I made friends because of the Rangers. I've got friends internationally, you three included, because of the Marvel Universe he was so he was such an integral part of. And to stay to stay so humble and kind through it all while inspiring countless others just like he did me. One in a million stand big love, Ryan Unicomb. That's great. Yeah. Which I did not know that fact. Yeah. I did not know that. That was new to me when I read this have email. You, have you watched that show? Not the. Uh, I've seen clips Hector, of it. Have you seen it? I've seen Which clips one? of it on YouTube. The uh, the Sentai the Spider-Man. Super Sentai? No, I haven't yet. No. <laughs> do we do we okay. have it? Oh, oh no, no no! You gotta pull that shit up on YouTube. Oh, on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> That's a relic. <laughs> That's a relic. a relic of the past. And it is interesting is it yeah <laughs> oh man it's it's really interesting yeah but that's but that's that's super true yeah and it's true it's like the thing you talked about of stan lee trying to come here to find things to do with all these characters like yeah. we had captain america movies in the 70s i've seen clips of them oh boy brutal there's, real brutal there's one from 1990 with uh oh yeah shot in, like san diego yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's dark times those are dark times man yeah like old spider-man tv series mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. I, I really feel like Doctor Strange, made for TV movie or oh, yeah, really? yeah, it was yeah, pilot. Yeah, you can yeah. find that one online. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah, I think Incredible Hulk was like the thing that really kind of like kept Marvel in some sort of mm-hmm. spotlight. It did. Yeah. Not really though. Mm. It wasn't that popular. I thought it was a popular. Time. It made, they almost it went made, bankrupt in the nineties. No, I know the company, yeah. but I meant like it sort made of like it just, made the Hulk ca- popular for yeah. sure. I mean, for, for up until. I would say the '90s because of X Men mm. comics, mm-hmm. uh, like Hulk and Spider Man were one and two. Mm. You know, I mean the X Men comics are like, yeah, I, I, that's a whole other thing. No, like yeah. '90s X Men yeah. is just it, it redefined the entire mm-hmm. industry. Yeah, it it was. I don't think anyone Huge. could predict that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Lee, and Chris Claremont, still the single sell highest selling comic book to All this time? day. Yeah, with I don't know nine million copies or however many. Go to Pizza Hut yeah. and you get a cup. With X-Men on it. That's it cool. Fucking awesome. That's rad. <laughs> I mean, the X-Men animated series and the Spider-Man one, that was yeah. like, that was really my entry. Sure. And I was so amazed by those characters and mm-hmm. like how diverse they were mm-hmm. and all the different things that they could do. And like, on top of having all these superpowers, 
realizing how relatable a lot of them were. We need another X-Men cartoon show, man. That's what we I need know. right now. We need like a... I, that was a really like, good time Wolverine to do the it. Wolverine and the X-Men was good. I didn't was like it? it. You didn't like Wolverine and the X-Men? No, dude. X-Men I thought Evolution. it was so good. X-Men Evolution might be my favorite X-Men animated show you to this day. You liked X-Men Evolution See, more than Wolverine and the X-Men. I did. Here's my we thing. disagree on so many things. You know, what it, you know what it came <laughs> oh down to? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You know boy. what it came it's down to? It's about to start. X-Men Evolution was really fluid. It had a beautiful animation to it. The way that it was actually animated. Was really because the character designs were more simplistic yeah. and kind of streamlined, almost like well, I think Batman. Were, the animated yeah, I think series. they were going off of that. Yeah. So the way they moved was really nice. Wolverine and the X Men, a little choppy for me. I don't know what studio they used. I don't know what their budgets were. You know, stuff that was I'm sure out of their control. But it was a little like a little a little choppy. They didn't move as 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 fluidly. <clears throat> so. Here's the big thing with me when it comes to X Men Evolution, X Men the animated series. X Men Evolution was still good, uh-huh. but it felt like it was. Well, it was coming off of the hype of the movies. Yeah. So it felt like it was kind of riding the coattails of that. Plus, I wasn't necessarily crazy about the fact that it was like a high school drama. Well, I don't want Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I want X-Men. Oh, man. And that's what I loved about the 90s X-Men well, animated series. It, so that felt like sure. mature, mature well, characters just, in a cartoon world. It was world. just fucking nut bonkers. Yeah. Because they were doing full-on comic book. Like, yeah. whatever the X-Men were in comics <laughs> yeah. then, they were just doing, they were doing yeah. the Dark Phoenix saga. And I think and, that's why you know, I also enjoyed Spider-Man. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those but, uh, were just direct yeah. comic adaptations. It, you're, awesome. you're totally right about X-Men Evolution being very high school. The, mm-hmm. the funny thing is that two seasons in, they blew up the school. They blew up uh, the X-Mansion, mm-hmm. and like a couple of characters went missing, and they didn't show up until the in the next in, in like seasons that, yeah. three and four were like just full on X-Men. They're like mm-hmm. on the run. It was like full on powers, costumes, X-Men, a bunch of characters, and it was really really cool. But nobody made it past season two mm-hmm. to get into those cool. And then by the end, I think they did like Apocalypse, but like mm-hmm. the last season or whatever. Like it was rad. I've yeah. watched all of them. Yeah. yeah, I just don't think it's as good as Wolverine and X-Men. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I need a, I need to rewatch because I haven't watched yeah. those since I was. A I kid. just found. My my hard drive yesterday of every single cartoon Marvel's ever uh, <laughs> what? put out ever. Wow. I'm sure obtained legally. <laughs> Kitty Pride and the X-Men's on there. Oh my god. <laughs> really wow. interesting. That's great. Really can we put that on my Plex server so I can watch it? I watch <laughs> your Plex server all the time. Good. I'm sure that, I'm sure that uh, someday there will be like a Marvel streaming service yeah. and all that old crap is going to be on there and it's going to be fun to go back you and mean be next like, next year on Disney Plus? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Right? Um, uh, oh, I'm gonna I read this. Disney will be, uh, we'll see. I'm going to read this last tribute from Miles Halet who says, Watson Payne, uh, whilst it pains me very much that I never got to meet Stan in person, I can still be a happy and proud supporter of his. He created my all-time favorite fictional character, just like many others, Spider-Man. I'm a 20-year-old, and he managed to make me fall in love and feel relatable to a fictional character, which sounds kind of dumb to people. I say this too. I say this too for some reason. Uh, he has played a huge part of my life growing up and becoming the person I am today. The man legacy will last forever, and I'm even thinking of getting a tattoo somewhere dedicated to him. What would you guys suggest be a nice tattoo idea to have? I was thinking having the word Excelsior or True Believer somewhere. Man, I'm gonna miss him. Um, Excelsior. I I would. Right? That's, that's nice. Th- it's really nice. I would find um a specific like panel, like Ooh. like something that uh or, or either like a, a a word balloon, a thought balloon, a caption, something that you uh, do a little bit of research. It'll be fun. You find hit the jackpot, you know. Right? <laughs> yeah, you just hit the jackpot. Maybe. Maybe, but something that you feel might sum up your philosophy or how you feel about life or, yeah. or how you feel about Stanley or his work or mm-hmm. whatever, but, fi- but find some comic book thing to, as opposed to just like a line that he said or something, a quote, sure. like he worked in the comic book medium. Yeah. That art is amazing. Even even the, that panel at the end of Amazing Fantasy 15 where Spider-Man's walking away in the, in the night because his uncle just died and then he found the killer and he, it, it didn't bring his uncle back and it says, with great power there must also come 
great, but like, and now a silent figure stalks off into the night and is added to the pantheon of great characters or whatever that Stan was, you know, bullshitting about. Yeah. I'm so good. This is so good. <laughs> Fuck. That's how so good this is. <laughs> even that little panel with like the yellow and the moon and the yellow, like even something like that. Yeah. You know, but go find something that's personal to you. And if it's a Spider-Man panel, great. And I mean, he wrote Spider-Man 33 with Steve Ditko where the, where he where Spidey has to lift the I mean, that's awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. And there's some good there's some good panels in there. There's some good stuff where he's thinking about it. That's Aunt a May and Uncle Ben. And yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. So uh, it, it, I, it won so many points over me when they put that in dude, Homecoming. Homecoming. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I watch Homecoming, I'm like, this is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Yes, it is. 100%. And yeah. the more I watch it, the more I think I'm like, I think it's the best one. Oh, yeah. And people disagree. They're like, oh, Spider-Man 2. I'm like, listen, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, 2 is really good. It's a really good movie. It is very well put together. It's a Sam Raimi movie. Yes, and that Peter Parker is not Peter Parker. No. That's Tobey Maguire. No. Dressed Tom Holland his, do you know is what I mean? Peter he Parker. He is, dude. He's like, so much Peter Parker, it makes me fucking furious yeah. <laughs> it makes me yeah. angry yeah there'll be scenes with him i'm like fuck you yeah dude fuck you where did this kid come from <laughs> yeah, fuck you kid yeah you fucking england, england? motherfucker oh, great oh yeah backflip over that couch yeah. fuck you sure. man oh look how easy get out of here oh i had my audition i just i did yeah. gymnastics you know yeah. i was just really good at it and fuck fucking you kid god it pisses me off he's and so people, good and people go oh spider-man doesn't learn as much of a lesson at the end of that movie look at the end of spider-man 2 we know the lesson. he gets mary jane so how do you like that movie the most just because he gets his ass kicked the whole time and he gets beat mm-hmm. down and at the end he gets Mary Jane? Well, in this movie, things do not go the way in Homecoming, the way Peter Parker wants them yeah. to. Yeah. Instead of going to the dance, he, he leaves, basically breaks it off with his dream Liz, girl, yeah. Liz, to, and she liked him. To do him, the right thing. To do the yeah. right thing. And at the end, she has to move away because of, because because of his actions. Because of his actions, she, he's not going to have a girlfriend. Like, and and her, also his dad, his, her dad's in jail. Yeah. Like That's yeah. because of Peter. Yeah. And he has to live with that. Yeah. And that was a great adaptation to that. It's yeah. updating it for the modern time. I, I, yeah. I, I could go on and on about how yeah, deep it's the movie is. Yeah, it's great. He rejects being an Avenger, man. Fuck. Come on. Uh, I'm going to read off these last two tips that we got uh, from Mighty Wombat. Thank you so much for the $5 tip. Spider-Man, in my opinion, is one of the most relatable characters of all time. It's why he's my favorite superhero, and I think he's timeless. Uh, Uber Baldi, thank you so much for the tip. Uh, asking me a question. As more of a DC fan, did you read the Just, Just Imagine series of DC comics that Stanley did where he gave his take on the classic DC heroes? I have not. Yeah, you're a DC fan. You've read every DC comic book ever, right? Oh, You've read yeah, every single yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I know. I wish. I Those know. are weird, dude. Stanley made Batman a black guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When he and then when he dressed up like Batman, he looked more like a like an animal bat. Like he had like pink in, in the insides of his wings and a big weird nose thing on his mask. And mm. and he made his yeah he made Batman he made Bruce Wayne a black guy who lost his parents to some kind of obviously gun violence or mm. whatever. It was weird. I I forget what the rest of it. Like that'd be a cool thing to pick up and, and yeah. Read up I think on, there's yeah. a, I think there's a paperback of that. Yeah, I think there is. Yeah. Of the just imagine Stan Lee creates the DC universe and mm-hmm. he and his little take on all the characters and interesting. stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I would say that my final thing on on Stan Lee is I think the thing that impressed me most and I and I put up, made a whole post about it was the fact that <clears throat> at 39 years old he really changed his life with mm-hmm. Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko creating. I mean, the list of characters mm-hmm. that you just read off. Yeah. That's Insane. within a three, four year span of how much he created. Those yeah. guys must have been doing like so much acid just being like, I know. I got ideas. Oh, I got stuff. I mean, yeah. you, you, look at, you look at Dr. Strange with the stuff they adapted. Watcher, like, okay? <laughs> he lives Come on, on the moon. He lives Come on, on the moon. He watches stuff, okay? <laughs> okay, well, okay, well, what's he watching? Stuff. Fucking everything. <laughs> the Silver Surfer comes down <laughs> and Who? rocks. The you Silver like Surfer with the hammer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Beta Ray Bill. Stan, I don't know about the Silver Surfer. Is that what's his real name? 
Norin Rad. This guy <laughs> came from Zenla. Write Norin it down. Write it down. It's so good. Norin Rad. Rad. Okay. Why, okay. Does uh, why does the Silver Surfer show up? Fucking Galactus, dude. Fucking Galactus <laughs> the Herald of Galactus. The Herald of Galactus is going to eat the planet. Put it in the comic. Put it in the comic. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> we can't lose. <laughs> and they didn't, <laughs> really. Stan, we need a new Spider-Man villain. The Shocker. We've already got that one. Electro. Got it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> the Rhino. We need a couple of doctors. Yeah. The Lizard. Stan, are you just looking at an animal? Tarantula. Did you go yeah. to the zoo this morning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Octopus. Okay, Stan. <laughs> the Lion. Uh, yeah. Come on, we've got enough. Yeah. Craven. Craven. I don't know. <laughs> Hunter. Oh, Stan, hunt he, flying. We'll flip it around. Stan, does he have anything to do with animals? Uh, no, he <laughs> hunts them. God damn it, Stan. But I, I think that's a big, my biggest takeaway from somebody like Stan Lee, a creator who created later on in his life. Yeah. We live in a, in a world and an industry where a lot of people f- are like young. Oh, I'm 25. I 25 haven't made to 35, it. and I'm I haven't made quit. it. I haven't done it. You know, I got to give up, blah, blah, blah. Take inspiration from it. If there's anything to, to take away from, from yeah. somebody like Stan Lee, the good and the bad, take away the fact that this person was older in their life when they did something incredible and amazing with their life. Like, don't don't yeah. give up. Keep doing keep trying to pursue something in your life. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> to, to, to just add to what you and I are saying, right. everybody's like, in Stan Lee's DC one, Flash got her powers from a serum trying to give hum- humans the same abilities as hummingbirds. Jesus. <laughs> that's great. Hummingbirds. That's hummingbirds. how the Flash gets powers. <laughs> Flash. <laughs> Super uh, fast, like a hummingbird. Uh, any final thoughts for you guys? I mean, th- thank you for yeah. having me come out. Yeah, uh, thank I you. Mean, man. I'm, I'm a huge, obvi- Spider-Man's... It's er- a guy. Ugh. Oh. So much. That's a guy. Uh, and uh, it, it means a lot to me that uh, this this individual, this person, did more to shape me and who I am as a person than anything else yeah. in my life. And that is the truth. Uh, more than, you know, my friends in high school or mm-hmm. certain movies. It's just everything. It inspired so much of who I wanted to be as a person and has even dictated how we run my company today. You know, it's just like things like yeah. that. Like it, it's amazing that this one person uh, did all that and, you know, that that's a part of our life and will yeah. be forever because the things he created will just go on and mm-hmm. on and on. And that's a really cool thing to, to be a part of, to have in your life. It's yeah. really cool. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I know I can speak for Zach when I say this because we've talked about this before, but like, Zach and I are good people today because of Spider-Man, because of a fictional character. A Spider-Man. fictional fucking character. And yeah. and all of the work that everybody over the decades poured into this character, yeah. their hearts and souls. And it all started with Stan having this idea, pitching it, being turned down and going, fuck it, I'm going to put it in this canceled comic. <laughs> and then the sales were good and then the guy got a series and that's yeah. it. So, yeah. Because, yeah, because like Zach said, because of one guy who who wanted to do this with his life. And I think he made a really positive impact. Mm-hmm. And now we're less than six months away mm-hmm. from Avengers 4. Yeah. Who would have thought? It's nuts. <laughs> okay. When's the trailer coming? Malika has been so upset for a while about this. I've never cried in front of Malika. <laughs> you guys are married. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm not a very emotional person. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and <laughs> at the... Uh, at the uh, <laughs> at the end of Avengers, Stark, <laughs> Stark. Oh. And, and she looks over at me, and after the movie, she's like, "Crying." <laughs> That's what you cried on. That's great. That's what made like, you cry. Spider Man. 
Yeah. Spider-Man's gone. <laughs> I, can't, I can't deal. I just sat in the theater like, uh, oh my God. Oh my God. Buried uh, me. We have a oh dog together. And yeah. that's what made you cry. It's that's over. That's amazing. Man, I still remember Naeem. He was shook after Black oh, Panther disintegrated. Yeah. He was just like, oh, I can't. It was so great. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I saw that. I was in uh I was in Nashville for the premiere. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's right. I remember, yeah. That was an experience. Yeah. I could, I would I was probably one of the only I think I might have been the only white person in that audience. And oh, oh wow. man, whenever people were what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yelling at the screen and screaming. One wow. woman was sobbing like crazy in the back and like wow. man, you get I mean, but that's what it was like. It was so important. It was like I had that reaction to Spider Man and to mm-hmm. see that just like one movie had made Yeah. Black Panther, like a yeah. cultural mm-hmm. icon of the same magnitude, and just Okoye like that. and mean, Shuri and everybody. We saw yeah. it with Pooch, and yeah, you dude. just see Captain America and Black Panther running across the battlefield. People are like losing it. Yeah, it's two awesome. guys just running in a field. It's awesome. They're but bigger it's than the life, impact. man. It's, it's so the great. Impact of they're our Greek gods. Yeah, yeah. they it's are great. our gods yeah. at this point. It's I mean, crazy. they're more god to me than whatever the fuck you believe in. Yeah, honestly, Spider Man is more of my Jesus than whatever you believe in. The immortal words of Nick Fury: My God has a hammer. Okay, that's who. That's who my God has. And on that note, that's where we're gonna end the show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to everybody who submitted your stories about Stan Lee. If you're watching this after the, if you're watching this as a replay, leave some comments down below about the impact of Stanley uh, <laughs> yeah. or the Marvel Universe and, and how it's changed. I have your to life. moderate those comments. Oh. You and me both, baby. You and me both. I, I get. I, I gotta turn off my phone notifications because I'll do. get yeah. one. I'll be in the middle of like talking to somebody and then one will pop up and I'll be like, I hate the internet. Yeah. This is the worst. Oh <laughs> my Awful. god. Awful uh, but the ones that leave good comments, you're the best. Yeah. Thank the rest you of you can so go much. fuck yourself. I'm tired <laughs> of looking at your trash. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you are. Uh, or we'll catch you next week and Augustine will be here we'll hopefully get some thoughts uh, from him about Stan Lee in the meantime guys read some comics go back read some old, old read stuff some, some new comics. stuff read get some educated books. on some characters uh, read yeah. some books yeah. and uh, stay tuned for Hector's endless list of uh, creations oh by God. Stan Lee I'm gonna go home Dude. and finish the rest of that Twitter thread <laughs> only Hector <laughs> when you only told Hector. me he was doing that I was like that, yeah that's Hector that's Hector, that's Hector. Yeah, that's Hector. Uh, have a good night guys thank you so much for watching see ya bye